hello everybody welcome to the latest podcast on thursday the 20th of april i'm joined today by robert and john again we've got various things to talk about and yesterday was the uk inflation figures and surprise surprise the inflation figure in the uk measured by cpi did not fall as much as people thought and it's still double digit 10.1 percent and again i keep thinking about mr hunt uh, stood at the dispatch box telling us that inflation is going to be 2.9 percent by christmas i'm thinking that is somewhat unlikely what what, what are your thoughts john Yes, I think that's unlikely as well. And I'm not overly surprised that the inflation numbers have disappointed or that inflation is continuing to be sticky. It's what happens when you print all that money and finances around the world are in such a poor state. They have all tried to keep a consumption economy going with all sorts of cockamamie ways of doing it and boondoggles and and now they're finding it very very difficult to get back to any kind of normality so none of it surprises me i long since stopped listening to central bankers other than for amusement so no i'm not surprised at all no and uh, next month bank of england are meeting going to decide what to do with base rates i was right last oh no you were right john last time and i was wrong so I think they're going to put it up a quarter of a percent to four and a half uh, next month. Robert, John, what do you think? Um, I think it would be no more than that. They're in such a bind. They have to. They have to walk a line now between not doing something too radical because of all the squeals that come, but also they have to be shown to be doing something. And as they did nothing for so long, and if you remember, Mr. Bailey told us he, he was launching a preemptive strike against inflation not that long ago when um, rates went from a quarter of a point to half a point. I forget what inflation was at that time, probably 6 or 7%. So I'll go with a quarter of a point. I wouldn't be overly surprised if they did nothing. But they've created this mess, and it's quite clear. A, they don't know how we got here, and B, they have no clue as to how to sort it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um... I think they will tinker a little bit. I don't. I don't think they'll do nothing, but it's posturing rather than anything else. Well, they're caught between a rock and a hard place, aren't they? All these uh, central banks, because on the one hand they are trying to control inflation, but on the other hand they want to ensure that there is liquidity and that credit is easily available. And the the structure here in the UK is completely different to structure in the states as i understand it in the fact that we have got a handful of big banks whereas in the states there are something like four thousand banks when you put in all the regional banks and people are getting worried about these smaller banks and are moving their cash to bigger banks and that is causing a potential liquidity problem with the smaller banks and of course then the price of money is going up because those smaller banks, they've got to put interest rates to attract money, and then they've got to lend it out at a higher rate in order to maintain their profitability. So it is becoming a bigger and bigger problem, this. A lot of those regional banks also have uh, quite high property exposure, 
And when you look at the vacancy rate, even in places like New York and San Francisco, they now appear to be uh, over 20% on, on sort of office. And, and on that subject, earlier this week, I think it was, or late last week, there was a regional property owner in Washington who owned a lot of office blocks. Their occupancy was 30% down and they failed to pay their interest payment. And now I think they're in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, so I think you're going to see more of more of that kind of thing. I think bad debts could easily start to come through. And it's interesting that the uh, Silicon Valley Bank, although it went bust, all the cash was effectively replaced by the government. And the Bank of England is now talking about increasing the £85,000 compensation limit to 250000 presumably to try and avoid any, any bank runs here as well. And the stock market has uh, picked up over the last month or so. Interesting to see that the headlines are that in the first quarter of this year, £4 billion was removed from equity investments. I don't think I would be thanking my advisor if I were one of those people who'd been removed from the equity market, given that he's had a decent run of late. It depends what was removed, doesn't it? If you had quality businesses that had clear pricing power, and we're able to pass a lot of this inflation on, then, you know, I wouldn't want to be selling them. Then again, if it was some kind of property REIT or some various ETF type thing, um, then then I'd probably thank you for it. But it depends as ever. People talk about the stock market, but what really matters is what you're invested in. Yeah, absolutely. And when I started out in this business, best part of 35 years ago, then really it was a case of equities and, and bonds. And all these different investments have now come along, especially ETFs. And we were asked this week to comment on a portfolio by one of the national competitors. And virtually every single investment was an ETF. I think that's to try and keep costs down. But some of those things which that was invested in, I wouldn't want to, to touch with a barge pole. And what I particularly like in what we do is that we have names in our portfolios, household names, be it Shell, be it Diageo, which is Guinness and Grand Met, be it Nestle. People, as we've said before, will continue to eat Kit Kats and they'll continue to, to drink coffee. But if you've got an ETF on a some index you've hardly heard of, you don't really know what you own. But what I think is that if you actually know the companies and see the companies around which you own, I think you get confidence in that. A lot of people buy property because it's bricks and mortar and they can drive past it. Well, you can drive past a shell garage um, or you can drive past a, somewhere selling Kit Kats or deodorant. I think that's a very good point. We've all seen over the years many, many portfolios from other investment managers where you literally have no idea what, what you're invested in, which to my mind is, is mad. As the client, you're placing your entire trust in somebody who's, who's picking indices for you, which is, that's not investing. No. And what's more is the regulator over the last sort of almost 10 years has wanted uh, charges to become more and more transparent. And this business was 
docked with people overcharging, which is why they brought that in. But it has also meant that people now are looking for the cheapest investments. And I don't think that works. I would rather pay more and know I own Nestle, Diageo, Unilever, Roche, etc. Because I believe that in the long run, the overall return is going to be better. You are going to have a better outcome. When you said that people eat Kit Kats and drink coffee, I mean, there, I can think of lots of lots of biscuit businesses or coffee businesses I wouldn't wish to invest in. But Nestle, with, for example, Nescafe, it's a global brand, and they squeeze a level of profitability out of their coffee operations and, and several other of their operations that is, is, is superior and has been proven to be superior over long periods of time. So it's not just that people will always drink coffee, although I suspect they will. It's about they do it extremely well. They could have been making dog baskets. It doesn't matter. It's simply what they do. Uh, they get returns from those businesses, for the most part, that are durable, sustainable, and you can believe in them. And those are the kind of businesses that we wish to be invested in. We don't wish to be invested in random indices where you just have a, a selection of whatever's in that index. If I wanted to look at any index, I want to look at the stocks that are in it, and I want to buy the ones that I really want yeah, to own. Which is about 10% of them. And, and that is why this approach fails. So pay a little bit more and own investments you really want to own directly. And the great thing about that is, is that if you're really happy with those businesses and you believe they have the ability to compound over long periods of time, you more or less buy them and leave them. So once you've bought them, the only cost you've got is the ongoing management. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk of these 60-40 portfolios recently, which, just to remind everybody, is 60% equity, 40% bonds. And now people who are plugging these, I had to point out to clients that this is the first time in 100 years when this strategy is down 20%. Well, this is what happens when you do something without really understanding why you're doing it. Would I cross the road and look 60% of the time and not look 40% of the time? Um, this is stupid. There is nothing lo logical about that. If you want to buy bonds, buy them. And if you want to buy equities, well, buy those too. There are times to buy bonds. Of course. But, of course. The inflation shock has significantly damaged the value of all bonds. And it may be that at some point in the future, bonds are very good value. And I would be more than happy to make a call on that given the the evidence that, that was in front of me. But just to do something all the time and then say, well, it's the first time in 100 years this hasn't, hasn't given a certain level of return. Well, you need to be thinking about what you believe in and what you really want to own rather than doing something that is assumed to nearly always deliver some form of return. It's cart before horse. So finally, green energy and green infrastructure has uh, struggled somewhat uh, over the last 12 months. Is now the time to be dipping your toe in there, John? Well, I won't be dipping my toe in it, but everyone's free to have their own opinion. In my view, the infrastructure is nowhere, nowhere near suitable on a transportation basis and a timescale for the transition to decarbonise, as we probably said before, 
I think is is nowhere near capable of, of being delivered. All of that means that if living standards are to be maintained in, in Western nations, um, and indeed the growth of living standards in developing nations, that means that for quite some time yet, we will be reliant upon fossil fuels, uh, oil and gas. And um, you know there is a, such an irony that in Germany, which has now closed its last nuclear plant, they are now increasing the amount of, of lignite, brown, dirty coal that they're burning. It wasn't really supposed to turn out like that, was it? So I think the transition cannot be accomplished in the timescale that has been allotted to it. And therefore, I'll be keeping my shell and my BP. So, dear listener, when we started this uh, podcast, we decided that uh, we were going to be upbeat. And um, there's a reason to be upbeat here in Harrogate today. The sun's shining. It's the Harrogate Flower Festival, which some of you may have seen uh, photographed on the front page of the Times and the Telegraph today, uh, the coronation cloak. And also, it's just been Duncan's birthday and he mentioned that he'd been stockbroking for 35 years. And I reckon he started when he was 20. So that gives you a clue as to how ancient he really is. That aside, it's difficult to be upbeat sometimes when you've got regulators and uh, central bankers who don't really do things that we think are necessarily sensible. But anyway, we try. And uh, I think by now... Hopefully, those of you who have been paying attention over, over the many months that we've been doing this will know the cut of our jib. And if you think that you've got friends and acquaintances who would like to hear our opinions, then please feel free to recommend us. Thank you. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.